0: Can we be so heavenly-minded that we're no earthly good? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik. So Brian, today we are having a good time because we are going to be looking at the at a passage in Colossians, which is one of my favorites. Uh, We're looking at Colossians 3, 1 through 17. Um, And so how about you kick off um, our discussion here by telling us a little bit about the background on this?
1: Yeah, just a little bit of information about the book of Colossians for anybody who may not be familiar, or just as a reminder, Uh, Colossians is one of the prison epistles, uh, which means Paul wrote it from being in prison. If you are tracking with us in the episodes where we're talking about the book of Acts, we're kind of jumping ahead from that because Paul's not in prison at Acts where we are. So in the chronology of where things are, a little bit of jump ahead to address Colossians here, uh, but it will come in due time. And Paul is writing to the church uh, because he's addressing what has often been called the Colossian heresy, Not quite sure what it is. Uh, What you have to do is piece it together based on the clues of what Paul writes about. Um, One of the things that does seem apparent from Colossians 2.8 is it seems like this had something to do with philosophy. Um, Some kind of of philosophy was being proposed to the church. The church, at least part of it, was was tempted to buy into it. Uh, Likely something connected to some of the Hellenistic traditions from the background. Uh, So, you know, I remember studying church history, Aaron, where a lot of times when you had something from philosophy pop up that was an attempt to integrate it into the church, heresies happened, errors happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not, I don't want to be an alarmist and say, well, you know, we just need to reject all philosophy outright, and it's just great care, uh, because a lot of philosophies are just not compatible with the gospel, of course. And it seems like something like that was happening at the church, Uh, And so Paul writes, of course, this um, as you read Colossians, and maybe this is why you love it. I I appreciate Colossians as well. It's just so Jesus-centered. It is really lifting up the primacy of who Jesus is. It's Jesus alone. So that's a little bit about it. Um, We're going to jump, as you said, into Colossians 3, 17 verses. Do you think it's uh, doable to read that? I know you love to read
0: you know, I think we can probably pull that off today. Uh, maybe not tomorrow, but we can definitely. Well, tomorrow.
1: we're not recording anything tomorrow, so we definitely exactly. will not. Exactly. So, pull off tomorrow. there we go. <laughs> Why do you think I said the thing I said, Brian? Tomorrow's uh, Friday. Right. We're not doing hardly anything on Friday. <laughs> I mean, I mean, up on our bosses, we're working really hard.
0: We are, that's true. We're catching up on everything we didn't do, you know, exactly every other day. Yeah. So, anyway... Uh, we're gonna
1: get, we're gonna get ourselves in trouble. Uh, while you read this, days. I'm gonna polish up my resume.
0: <laughs> well, that sounds it sounds like a wise plan there. Um, so, uh, Colossians three one through seventeen is as follows from the CSB translation. So, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ. With Christ in God, and when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death what belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient, and you once walked in these things when you were living in them. But now, put away all. The following, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and filthy language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self. You are being renewed in knowledge according to the image of your creator. In Christ there is not Greek or Jew circumcision and uncircumcision barbarian scythian slave and free but Christ is all and in all therefore as God's chosen ones holy and dearly loved put on compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against one another just as the lord has forgiven you so you are also to forgive above all put on love which is the perfect bond of unity and let the peace of christ to which you were also called in one body rule your hearts and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom and teaching in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another through psalms hymns and spiritual songs singing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do in word or in deed do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him
1: You see why I like that passage so much? Yeah, and good job reading some of those Scythians and and so forth, those a little bit harder words. Uh, Yeah, you know, as we look at this, and and just a a great passage, and and it's just one of several in Colossians, of course, um, I think one of the first questions that I see as I look at that is all the way back in verses 1 and 2, and it goes back to the question you let off the episode with, Aaron, what does it mean to seek the things above and set your mind on things above? Well, I want to answer this by way of first saying what it doesn't mean and then coming back and saying what it does mean. What it doesn't mean is that we neglect everyday life. So yes, your initial question, we, we can indeed be so heavenly minded if, if that's all we're thinking about that we're not of any earthly good, that we forget this is where we are now. We're not there yet, and we need to think about it. It's going to be the positive aspect of this in a minute, but the negative is we we don't neglect everyday life and focus solely on what tomorrow holds. Mm-hmm. We still work for a living. We go to our jobs. Uh, we eat, for example. We rest. We, we play. We do these things. Scripture says we do all of them for the glory of God. So we mm-hmm. should be doing these things as acts of worship, receiving with gratitude these good gifts that God has given us, using these things to make much of Christ. But they're practical. We, we do these today. Um, what it does mean more than is that we think primarily on the kingdom of God. It should dominate our thinking. It should dominate our motivation. So, for example, going back to the idea of work, if we work an assembly line making widgets, that's not just something to pass eight hours of the day and to feed our families. We want to consider how has God placed me here to bring Him glory. What can I do making widgets? The quality of, of work I do, the 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 how I'm, what kind of employee I am. Um, you know opportunities I have to show and share the gospel with coworkers and and so forth. You you redeem that activity for for that phrase, um, thinking in terms of kingdom. So it should frame how we live. It should frame how we spend our time and resources. So for example, we don't want to squander our resources. We don't want to you know squander all of our money on on hobbies, even though there may not be anything necessarily bad with the hobby itself, but if we focus too much on it, if we invest too much time, too much finances, for example, to support them, which hinders us from living for Christ in other ways, uh, being with our families, investing in other kingdom work, such as missions and so forth, then we are missing what Paul is talking about. So we, we fix our thinking on the kingdom first and we, we interpret daily life through that lens.
0: Yeah. And, it, and it is really, really important that, cause I mean, there's a stereotype about Christians that basically we're not allowed to have any fun. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And I mean, I read, I read comic books and I like comic books. Um, That is fun for me. And it may not be fun. And it probably isn't fun for you, Brian, but it is fun for me. Um, (laughs) But I can, I can, you know, I can uh, read comic books to the glory of God. I can, um, you know, I can listen to rock and roll music to the glory of God as well. And, and that's one of the, that's those things that, that, that are important to think about. That it's like, there is a way to engage with things that you just enjoy. And that you don't have to spend your day solely listening to one type of music or another um, or reading one type of book or another or, you know, whatever, whatever you're thinking or maybe have even been taught. Yeah. And certainly nothing wrong with if, you know, if your preference is only listening to certain types of music, go for it. If that's your conviction. The next thing that uh, that. We're going to talk about here really is a point of clarity, which is uh, which is the question of whether or not Paul uh, like what Paul really means when he says that we died in verse three. So he's clearly not speaking literally um, as in your physical body died the moment that you um, that you trusted in Christ. What he's talking about is a matter of of nature's nature's an identity. And so this is fundamental to understanding our identity in Christ because our old selves, our old nature, our old identity is gone when we trust in Jesus. Those things have been replaced by who we are in Christ. So it's not a case of we are who we were plus we added some Jesus on the side or we mixed in we mixed in a little bit of christianity we are some we are someone brand new when we believe in the gospel when we are trans, when we trust christ we are different people fundamentally
1: yeah and that kind of takes us to the next major question that um I think a lot of people have as they, as they read this passage, and it's mostly in verses 5 and then jumps to 8 and 9, but you, you read this list of activities, these sinful activities, and Paul seems to say here that anyone who, who commits these sins is not saved, that, that they are still under God's wrath, um, you know, verse 6, because of these, God's wrath is coming upon the disobedient. And so you read that, and, you know, it's really easy to look at that list. And some of them say, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. I've, I've never done that. Um, but then a lot of these, if not most of these, I think you would have to say, well, ooh, wait a minute, um, I get angry at times. Um, you know, I, 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 sometimes I, I, I can be greedy and, and um, you know, impure. Mm-hmm. And, and so then you start to get a little bit nervous because you're thinking, wait a minute, Is Paul saying here that I'm not saved because I do these things at times? Well, if that's what he meant, then we would conclude that nobody is saved, including Paul himself. Because, again, even when we are in Christ, we continue to wrestle with sin. Um, What he has in mind here is more than just those who commit these sins. It is more of a, a habitual practice without conviction, And I think that last part is really important as we think about this. A lot of times you'll hear it explained as the first part. Well, Paul is talking about habitual sins. Well, let me press into that for a second. The problem I have with that is if that's the only case, there are many people who who struggle with the same sin. Let's, Let's go back to anger. There are some people who just have a disposition toward anger, and they're working on it, but it's easy for that fuse to be set off And they struggle with it for a long period of time. And they look at that and they say, wait a minute, Paul only means habitual. I'm, you know, I would say I'm angry habitually, so therefore I must not be saved. I think the really important difference here is without conviction, that if we are engaged in any of these sins or any other sin on an ongoing basis, or even infrequently, and do not experience conviction if we do not accept that we are rebelling against God. If we excuse that conduct, well, I'm just angry, it's just the way I am, and people just have to like it.
0: Yeah, I'm just I'm just a really intense guy. Yeah, I'm a
1: really intense guy. That, to me, is the warning that we then are thinking, maybe you are still on this list, because... The scripture is clear. One of the ministries of the Holy Spirit, and it's a ministry to us, is to convict us of sin. And so the way it should work is we're angry, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and says, uh-uh, Brian, that that wasn't right. You are you are not revealing the gospel in that anger. You it's from a selfish perspective and whatever. And then I should, the way it's designed, should repent of that and say, Yeah. Scripture's true, the gospel's true. I don't want to do this. I repent. If it happens again next week, the same thing. Mm-hmm. That, I would say, is encouragement that we are right with God because that conviction. And again, we can struggle with it for now. Ideally, you're going to see it getting better and better as God continues to work in us and the work, you know, and through mm-hmm. us. But it's not just that, you know I've done this twice, therefore it's a pattern. It, it's, you know, I, I must not be regenerate. So yeah. it, it's, it's this list that Paul says, these are the marks of who we were. We practice these things without repentance, without conviction. Many do it boldly and, and, you know, with a smile on our face. And he says, that is no longer true of you. You have put these to death, and it is still a process. It's still this, this, this ongoing and notice in verse 6, he he says that, he uses that, this past tense, you used to walk in these, and walk alone connotes a way of living. So if we do any of these things on the list, does that mean we're not saved? No. Hopefully we can see there's a little bit more to it. We have to nuance that thinking.
0: One of the things that's really helpful in these lists that you see is, is read those and then read Galatians. Yeah. This is this is this is an example of Paul Paul continue, uh, making a similar or the same argument just in a different context. These two things are very similar. He's talking fundamentally about the fruit of the spirit and the fruit of the flesh in Galatians in Galatians terms, um, and so you see that very very clearly about the things that he tells us to put on um, as well, and the and the list that we that we are are told to t- to put off. Um, I think probably the one that's most challenging in that list for many people is to think is that connection that Paul makes, depending on how, um, on how you're based on based on how it's structured, saying greed is idolatry. And that is fundamental, really fundamental Christian teaching. Because And that comes right from Jesus, that you cannot serve two masters. You will love one and you will hate the, the other. You can't serve God and money. You can have money. You can be a rich person or a wealthy person and not be mastered by it. But you can't serve one
1: and the other. Man, I sure wish he would test me in that. <laughs> 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 maybe there maybe there's a yeah, reason maybe, that he's he knows exactly <laughs>
0: i wouldn't do well all right so <laughs> all right so uh so think about verse 11 so continuing on this this train of thought though of um you know walking um you know walking within within uh these these things that paul has talked about um So you think about verse 11, and a good question that comes out of it is, uh, does Paul mean that, that being a Christian nullifies all of our old identity? And the answer to this is both yes and no. So a key thing that we need to get is that being in Christ is primary. So we are Christians who happen to be... X Y Z. So whatever XYZ, XYZ whatever X Y Z would be in your case. So for example, Brian, you are an American. You're a dad. You're a husband. You are an editor. You are um, uh, you are an occasional runner. Yeah. You are. <laughs> um, I, I
1: fast walker is more accurate.
0: Fast walker. Okay, there you go. Um, you know, for me, I am a Christian who happens to be a Canadian. Um, a writer, an editor, a dad, a husband, um, a stress eater <laughs> and <laughs> uh, all of these kinds of um, and a smart Alec. Um, all of these kinds of things. Um, so we can retain secondary identities that don't conflict with the gospel. So uh, maybe the smart Alec part of me probably conflicts a little more than it should, so I need to work on that. but, um, but, you know, things like our ethnicity, um, our ethnicity doesn't change yeah. when we become a Christian. Um, and so he talks about there, you know, in Christ, there is no, no Jew or Gentile, um, you know, no Scythian, barbarian, um, etc. Um, those things still. So those but you are still fundamentally yeah because you know if you're a sit- yeah male and female George,
1: he he adds male and female on that list and we know of course yes, he does. it they that we retain those and they matter elsewhere in scripture we see gender matters quite a bit so it's it's not correct to misinterpret or to interpret the wrong way I'm, I think I just had a double negative by accident here <laughs> I'm painting my, walking question. myself into a corner it's not correct to look at that list and say well you know that they no longer exist that they're not important at all they do the point is, as you're saying, Aaron, primary they don't I, that's not how you're primarily identified. You're primarily identified now by Christ, and we're all the same in Christ. We still have different secondary issues, but our primary identity is the same.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so in that um, and and that is important when we talk about male and female, there is a way to interpret. Uh, there you know there that's a hot button topic we're not going to get in too deep on it um, because it's a hot button topic but um, it is important to recognize gender is not removed from our categories of existence um, because of because of the gospel Um, instead our view of gender is redeemed and clarified in the gospel, so um, yeah, really, in all of this, what is what is important is that um, we need to understand that the gospel is what unites us, and so the church is to be united as one in the gospel, and that's why all of there are there's this whole list of there is no yeah. X Y Z is there. The gospel transcends division; it doesn't remove characteristics.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think the next thing is, we started uh, alluding to this already, so let's just kind of wrap it up. You see this list of what we're to put on in verses 12 through 15. We kind of see what we're to take off already. We've talked about it. Uh, Again, we've intimated this list, so let's just kind of bring it to bear now. And you look at this, and the question has to ask itself, we have to ask the question, how do we do this? How do we put this challenging list on? Because it is not an easy list. You look at these these things, and it's like, wait a minute, you know, perfect love, uh, unity, peace, and so forth, bearing with another, kindness, that's, that's a hard one for both of us, uh, patience, and, and it's challenging. Mm-hmm. Well, it's easy and tempting to say, I can't do this, but we can. The key is verse 16. Verse 16 explains how that list comes to pass. And there he he writes, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. That is essential. We can't divorce that from the list. It leads into behavior that follows, but it also connects back. How do we live in kindness, for example? By letting the gospel saturate our minds and hearts. By letting it seep into us and let God work in us and through us. It's when we're yielded to him that this list is produced. So when we look at this and say that's challenging for me to do, yes, it is because it's not up for you to do it. It's God who does it in you and through you.
0: Yeah, that's right. And and that. And speaking of the the things that we are to do, I mean, we see in verse seventeen that we are to do everything, um, whether um, in word or deed, in the name of the Lord Jesus. So what does that actually mean? What does that look like? Well, I mean, of course we know everything doesn't include sin, but it bears repeating, everything does not include sin. There's a reason that that we're told not to sin. But um, uh, what it does mean is is that all of the things that are, um, you know, relatively speaking, either morally neutral or are morally praiseworthy, we are to do all of those things for God's glory. Now, what does that mean? Well, basically what that means is is that we do it with an attitude of love and gratitude and joy that is found in who we are in Christ. So we aren't finding our value and our worth in the things that we are doing. Um, And that's really important for us um, when we think about a culture like the one that we live in, where we define ourselves by our jobs. Yeah, um, or some certain kind of characteristic that 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 uh, uh, that is a function that we perform. So whether that's as a parent, whether that's as a spouse, whether that's you know again the the actual job that we perform, or um, you know or the job that we wish we had and are hobbyists at, and and things like that. Um, You know, I think about all the people in Nashville who are, you know, working at Starbucks, but they're really musicians, Um, (laughs) you know, that's that's one of those things. Right. Um, So the whole idea is, though, though, is that it speaks to the way that we do everything. So we work at whatever whatever job or whatever task that we have um, to make much of Jesus we we do the same when we spend time with our family we do it to we do it we enjoy time with our with our friends and our family and our kids and um and we relax we play we have a good time we don't always and it doesn't mean that every time we we open up our mouths everything we say is basically man look at how good god is and You know, and how like how God has given us this wonderful day uh, to do this. I mean, there is definitely a place for stuff like that, too. But um, but it's it's both in word and deed saying. God is great. And because God is great, I'm going to enjoy this and I'm going to make the most of it for his glory. Without a doubt. So. Real quick, because we are getting short on time for uh, for today, uh, let's think about Colossians 3 from a discipleship
1: perspective.
0: And um, real quick hit, what are some things that we can offer as guidance from a practical perspective? Yeah,
1: I've got three takeaways to consider. The first two are going to be just reviews. We've already said it. The third one, I'm going to camp out a little bit, even though we have. You just kind of talked about it a little bit more. But the first one is we need to remember this radical change that occurred with us uh, when we trusted in Christ a complete change in who we are positionally that leads to radical change experientially as well. And again, we've talked about this. The second is identity and crisis critical, that this is um, so important that we define who we are correctly. Um, and again, wh- who we are secondarily. And a lot of those ways we identify ourselves secondarily as we've talked about are not bad, but they just can't be primary. If they, if they become primary, then that's an issue. Others, as we talked about, that are contrary to the gospel, we've got to put to death. We we have to dismiss them through through God's empowerment. The third takeaway is that we when it think when we look at this list for of obedience, for example, um, we need to do this with joy and see obedience as an act of worship, not as a burden. Um, and I think this is where this idea is so helpful. Um, that when you think about instead of parsing life and thinking, okay, the really important things, the spiritual things are what I do on Sundays, for example, um, or when I have my family devotion on Thursday nights or whatever the case may be, and everything else is neutral at best. And we start feeling guilty about how much time we spend doing neutral things at best. That is not what God has given us. God has given us lives that are full of joy. And we understand, wait a minute, I can go on a date with my wife as an act of worship because I'm enjoying the gift that God has given me and my wife, and we're laughing together, spending time, enjoying a meal together, and that's worship. That radically changes our approach to living. Um, When we think about taking a vacation as a family, the same kind of thing. You, you, the key is we have to connect it to God, the giver. We don't want to go too far and say, well, I'm just doing these things, and we divorce our thinking and our hearts from God. Then we're just becoming idolaters. Mm-hmm. We're worshiping the gift. We have to worship the giver of the gift. So when we really start to understand this, this joy should saturate daily living, which is why we would say that believers should be the most joyful people walking on this planet the frumpy believer is antithetical to the gospel. And so it's just really important that we see how this frames how we should live.
0: Absolutely. Well, and as our, uh, as a frumpy believer sometimes on this, <laughs> uh, on this podcast, depending on the day, uh, that is a challenging final word for us, Brian. So uh, thank you for that. And uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.